Happy Insights Podcast. My name is Tyler Buffett, and welcome back to the second Sunday of Christmas for the week of January 5th, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and Happy New Year. Happy 2020. I know for me, when I was in high school, I always felt that 2020 was the year, the time of all the sci-fi and all these different things were going to happen, and now it's here. We are in the new year, we are in this, and we are digging into a second Sunday of Christmas. And this year, with it being where the calendar fell, we get the 12th day of Christmas, the last day of the Christmas holiday being the second Sunday, and it's exciting, it's fun. It's an awesome time to be in the church and be able to go through this. And so what a fun week, especially that as you'll see this week, I think there's a lot we can play around with and do, especially I'm going to focus mostly on the gospel text this week. But I think there's a lot of fun and interesting things you can contemplate, consider, and look at with these texts this week. But before we dig into that, we have to look at last week's Twitter question. The Twitter question from last week was, when or where have you been called to relocate or flee for God to continue working with you? And we got a couple different answers this week, which were really fun and exciting to hear. I love hearing from you guys. I love hearing your thoughts and keep this conversation going. It makes it a lot more fun on my end. And I got varying different responses. I had one talking about all the different places that God's moved him and his family for various different reasons. Sometimes not being able to afford another person working within the church, as this person's history shows, or sometimes that it was a single person or a voice within the church that suddenly it was time to move on. I had one that hit a little bit in a different way that sometimes relationships can be toxic where it's time to move on from that person, from those situations to move you on to being a new person, being that person who God is calling you to be. And it's kind of an interesting time, especially with this being the beginning of the new year. There's no better time to be thinking about and considering these different ways in which God may be shaping us and molding us than right now. I think it's one of those things where we are really at times reluctant to listen because we're comfortable. And it's one of the hardest things with being in the church or in just the faith in general is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so, sometimes when God is calling us to move, it's not necessarily, I need you to move in a couple years. It's, I need you to move now. And sometimes that's really hard for us. And I think it's one of the things as the human experience that we all can relate to and we can all wrestle with and deal with. So let's jump into the text this week. The gospel text is out of John chapter 1, optionally verses 1 through 9, which I would highly recommend, and 10 through 18. And this is the beginning of John's gospel. I personally really enjoy this. There's kind of this metaphoric poetry-like phrasing of talking about God coming into the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and in the beginning, all things were with God, and kind of this interesting creation story. But we also hear God describing the light and how the light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it, coming from verse 5. And 
that there was somebody who preceded the light and that with that light, eventually the light came into the world. The world did not know him. They didn't accept him. And then the process of what the light, or in this case referring to Jesus without ever using his name, what he would have to do for us to be able to understand who Christ is. And it's right at the end that we get that this is the truth through Jesus Christ that we have been seeking. And that it's Christ that's going to be this light that helps us understand in the midst of this darkness what God is really all about. And we'll dig into that a little bit more here as we go on. The first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 7 through 14. This is a cry about the people of Israel who are at this point, again, are still refugees and how they are looking for this person to come in to help them move and become and go to the place of where God wants them to be, the place where the people will be coming together as a flock again, that the nation will regain its strength, that it will be what was promised to them, this land that is prosperous. And that there won't be this sorrow, but that the Lord will provide as he has promised. So this interesting call, again, you could definitely use it if you're kind of going off of the last few weeks talking about the refugee type of crisis or something along those lines. A very good text to be able to talk about that and to even reconsider where we're at as a body with dealing with people who are out of their native land, if you want to put it that way. And I think even with me being a white Caucasian, I sometimes wonder what is my native land? Is it really the place in which I was born or is it the place that my relatives came from? And I think that's an interesting question to also play around with. The psalm this week is Psalm 147 verses 12 through 20. This is now where we get these transition between the psalm and the second reading of the praise of what God has done. And it's interesting that you're getting this out of the psalm because, again, this is before Christ comes. But that it's understanding that God will continue to bless and has showing the different ways in which he has continued to bless the people of Israel in this case. And as they follow the Lord, they see the continued blessings coming from it. The second reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. This is then going through and showing the blessings and ways that Christ was able to show us what he was trying to create. He's showing us that he was adopting us and freely showing what this whole thing of forgiveness and grace looks like lavishly upon us. And that it is the pleasure of the Lord to do this as long as we continue in this relationship. We continue to give praise and glory to him. That's our peace in this relationship. That this is what Christ has done and is showing us and here again is a reminder of what has been done for us, but that we then need to remember this and continue this relationship with God 
so that we can continue to be put into the places so that we can continue to see the glory of God and give praise to God for the glory and him working through us with the Holy Spirit as was promised. So before we get into how does this tie together with faith and science, we have to do our shameless plugs. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions, I, not being an ordained minister, use this resource on a weekly basis to help give me direction from four different professors who teach at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. So if you have not checked out Working Preacher, I would highly recommend it. Second shameless plug, again, there was one last week here during the mid-semester break of God Friended Me on CBS, and if you have not checked out God Friended Me, this is a great time to go back and catch at least the last five episodes. I really enjoy it, seeing how God can work through everyday people, and especially with the twists that we got right at the end of this mid-season, it's going to make the rest of the season all the more interesting. And so this Sunday... On the 5th, we will have another episode on CBS, so I'd highly recommend checking out God Friended Me if you have not checked that out. There's a lot of praise text and looking back at what Christ has done for us, and we get a lot of the promise in Jeremiah of what this leader is going to do. And we get John talking more in this beautifully poetic type of way about what Christ is going to do. But I think there's an element to this that we can really dive into scientifically that really helps exemplify the point of what we're talking about here. And I would argue, used in the right context, can help continue the message of what Christ stated to us. And we can see it every night. So, I'm focusing on the light text. And the interesting thing with light, and I'll attach links in the show description, we know that light is both a particle and a wave, which is crazy that it has these multiple different properties within it, and it gives it these unique abilities within our world. And I'm not going to focus on that part of it very much. I'm thinking about how the true light which enlightened everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And that we had somebody who came to testify to the light, but it was not the light. Let's think briefly about the stars for a moment. Every day we see, even when on a cloudy day, our nearest star, which is the sun. And the sun is estimated from science at about 4.5 billion years old, which makes it a middle-aged star, which is being calculated through using rubidium dating. We are able to then calculate the decay, which then has helped us get to this number of how old the sun is. Now, with this stated, we can also use some physics that it takes the average photon of light, the smallest light particle, this energy packet from the sun, an average of 8 minutes and 20 seconds to travel 
through space to get here on Earth through our atmosphere and everything. So whenever we have the sun go down, technically it's light that is already over eight minutes old that's being received to us. And so that we're having the curvature of the earth turning and then thus that's the light that we are receiving from the sun. And as we turn away from the sun, then we're getting less from that source, thus the sundown phenomenon. And how does this refer to the light? I think then we need to start going further. We need to think further. What then is the closest star to the earth that isn't the sun? And that is a star called Alpha Centurii, which is 4.24 light years away. So in essence, it takes a little over four years for the light that has burned the gas to admit the light to travel to a place where we can see it. So thus, when you're looking into the stars at night, you are looking into the past. In theory, that star could be gone, but yet you're still seeing light from it. And it's one of the things that scientists and astronomers especially have been able to depict is when are we having new stars based on the type of light and how much light is being emitted, and when is a star dying based on the amount of light being put off, what type of light is being put off, the color of the light being put off. These are all different things that we can use then to calculate the age of a star. The furthest star that we have ever been able to find using telescopes and the such is Arcadis, whose official name is MACS space J1149 plus 2223 Lensis Star 1, which is the farthest star that we've ever seen. And we'll have a NASA article down below. This galaxy cluster of stars takes about 5 billion light years away from Earth. So it takes 5 billion years for the light to be seen by us. The amount of time it takes to travel across space for us to be able to see it in the sky, or in this case, to be seen by the Hubble telescope. Why does this matter? The reason I would argue that this matters is because of how John is phrasing this. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. This idea that God created light and before even Christ came into the world, he had this light that showed the way of what he could do. This image of using light, shining in the darkness, revealing any dark space and that there Darkness cannot overcome light unless the light goes out. So as long as the light is shining, darkness cannot overcome it. And that we can even use the stars seeing that light, even as the star dies, the light is not destroyed. The light is still traveling to get to its destination. Just like what we know of where Christ is going, that the body may die, but yet he still lives in us. Now to take this even a step 
further. We have this light coming in, and the amazing thing about the light is that we have plants here on Earth, and us mammals are dependent upon the light, not just for heat, be able to heat this planet and be able to function and not be some void out in the atmosphere, out in space, that is so cold that there really isn't any life on it. It's the complete opposite. We have plants that their main nutrition base comes from the light and transforming that light into itself, into carrots, into trees into that make apples for us to eat. We are eating the product of light. We look at ourselves and how we need vitamin D and especially living in the northern hemisphere where right now we're slowly gaining light back since we are now on the correct side of winter solstice where we're slightly getting more light. But people are vitamin D deprived, are craving that light and needing that light. Otherwise, we're depressed without it. So we start thinking about how the light impacts our day-to-day lives through being able to make this a habitable planet to all our food on earth for everything that we eat has some type of chain back to eating something that photosynthesized or created energy from the sunlight, be it an algae in a stream to a plant to an apple to a cow eating grass in the field. At some point, it goes back to this chain of the light that we are dependent upon it. And there's some people who are going to acknowledge that this light is an amazing thing and there's others who won't. There's a lot of times that we will forget the benefit of the sun and how much we need that in our day-to-day lives to be able to consume foods, to be able to grow. But just like our faith needs the light, needs Christ in it and the surrounding community to help us grow, so we at some point realize that we need the light to be able to have the food, to have simple sugars, to carbohydrates, to the nutrition that we just need to be able to live. This unites us. This unites us like what the cry was in Jeremiah of bringing the flocks together, bringing the people together to make a great nation. It's one of the ways that we can break down barriers to being able to see that we are all people, no matter skin color, no matter race, no matter religion, we are all one species and in our case created by a heavenly creator. And he gives us this beautiful image in John of light. We are dependent on light. And we are light people, not in skin color, but following the light. Literally, we look and we run our days around having the sun up. And with having the Christ child coming by way of a star, and as we go into Epiphany, which starts the next day on January 6th, and chasing and following that star like the wise guys or the wise people did, the wise men did, we are still following that star. We are still chasing the light. And the crazy thing about the whole thing is, is the light is all around us. 
We see it. It's overcoming the darkness every day. We see it at night that we get these stars that are way off and that they're overcoming the darkness, reaching out to us, that we're able to see the light. If you know optics of your eye, we cannot see without some type of light, some type of photon of light going into our eye to be able to decipher rods and cones and be able to get and be able to see. We have to have light go into us. The light of Christ enlightens our world. And there are so many weird examples with using this idea of light that we then can see, both literally and figuratively. The light that helps us see night and day every day. The idea of having stars coming through the darkness at night. The idea of eating food that is light energy. The idea that to be able to see, we have to have light enter the eye. We are light people. And to deny that Christ is the light and that the true light cuts through the darkness and through our faith we understand this, this then helps us have the faith, the footing, to understand that we can stand upon and know that Christ is the light living among us. I love that John uses this element of light because it helps give people a tangible thing that we can understand. There is so much about faith that we have a hard time understanding, but we can understand light. We can understand that light lights up the darkness and that you cannot say that light does not exist unless there is no light. And the best way to show that there is light is bring light into a place where it isn't. This is what we are called to be. And as we are exiting the season of Christmas, it's not that Christmas gets left at the door, but it proceeds to go with us into Epiphany. That we then live our lives so that our light now shines, not just in the sunlight and the food that we eat, but that we are radiating the light of Christ through us, that we have received both in the vitamin D form, but also in the form of us knowing that Christ is alive and Christ lives within us. We are light people. And so then let's show that light to others. So the Twitter question this week will be, how can you let your light shine? How can you let your light shine? Just like that simple children's hymn that we've heard so many times, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. How are you going to? How are we going to carry this light of Christmas in a world that wants to be done with Christmas out into the world, not just today, but past the Christmas season and every day? How do we carry that light? I'd love to hear your responses on that. I'd love to hear your response in either an email or responding to the Twitter question or reach out in some form or fashion. I would really enjoy hearing that. And if there's ways that you've been a light, I'd love to hear that. This is a community that I'm hoping that we can work together so that we can let our light shine. Because I would say the science shows that God is trying to show us how important light is. So let's 
let our lights shine. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.